The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Great to see you again, everyone. Uh, Our message today is called the Tao of Spirit, but it's really about uh, names of God. And in our tradition, we like to say that we honor and recognize many names for God. But what I would say is just because we have many names for God doesn't mean that all those names mean exactly the same thing. They all describe different aspects of the divine. So uh, does anyone here have a name for God they really like to use or they really resonate with? Yahweh, okay. Spirit. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, very good. <laughs> very good. Anybody else? Divine. The divine. I love that. Higher power. Universal father. Universal father. Universe. Loving intelligence. See, they keep going. And that, that's a great spiritual practice. Just run through all those names and feel all those different aspects of the divine. You know, one of my favorite words uh, for the sacred is, is Spirit because it speaks to me of the indwelling flow, the indwelling oneness and connection that binds us all. I also love the term God, because it speaks to me of a presence, a powerful presence both within and all around me that is conscious of itself and is also conscious of me. Sometimes I experience it as a masculine presence, Sometimes I experience it as a feminine presence. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's something that transcends all of that. Ernest Holmes, our founder, said that God expressed in two ways, as love and as law. And when he says law, he means God as a, as a principle, as an impersonal essence in each one of us, individualized in each and every one of us. He speaks sometimes to that that part in the Holy Bible where God announces to Moses, I am that I am. Slightly mysterious. But it's the idea that that I am is at the center of all of us. Martin Luther King Jr. argued that when God said, I am that I am, he was claiming that God is the only being that could be called I am. He would say, I have to be I am Martin Luther King Jr., I have to say, I am Josh Reeves. You have to say, I am whatever your name is. But only God gets to say, I am that I am. And metaphysicians for generations have taught this idea that when we say or move into that I am place, we're honoring our divine connection with spirit so that when we speak our word, it manifests itself in incredible and profound ways. God is love, for home speaks the idea of an unconditionally loving presence surrounding us, indwelling us, seeking through us to realize our own highest good and truth. It's not a soft, sweet love. It's a powerful love. It's the love that is the truth of your being calling you into your highest and best. One of my favorite terms for God that Holmes uses is a secular but simple and profound one. He says, let's just call it life. It's easy for the atheists to say that they don't believe in God, but it's hard for anyone to say they don't believe in life, right? Holmes says, there is a universal wholeness seeking expression in and through everything. We are calling it simply life, 
The religionist calls it God. The philosopher calls it reality. Life is infinite energy coupled with limitless creative imagination. Isn't that cool? Life is infinite energy coupled with limitless creative imagination. It is the invisible essence and substance of every visible form. For me, another important word for divinity is the nameless. In the Tao Te Ching, it says the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao. It's the idea that all of these names of God can describe God, but they can't define God. Because God is always more than we can name God to be. This, for me, is the true meaning of that statement, I am that I am. I'm what you think of me and more. I'm how you experience me and more. That's how the divine expresses itself. And I think one of the greatest things that we can do in our spiritual practice when we sit down to meditate is to sit down and actually perhaps let go of that God of our own understanding. To actually just take a deep breath, close our eyes, and open our heart, our mind, our life, not to the God we know, but the God that would have us know itself. As Meister Eckert, the Catholic mystic, once said, God is available and will pour itself into thee as soon as you are ready. What does that mean to open our heart, our life, our mind to an experience of what the sacred is? At first, it might seem dangerous or scary, but the truth is, is it points us to the profoundness of who we are and what our life is and can become. Another word that I love for the divine is truth. God is truth. This is what God or the divine was for Gandhi. Gandhi was a Hindu, but he used to experiment and particularly loved Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And he would say, for, for me, the best word for God is, is the truth, and I will always seek it. He even wrote an autobiography called My Experiments with Truth, which we could interpret to mean my experiments with spirit, my experiments with God. And he had some pretty profound ones, didn't he? Uh, One of the most profound statements I've ever come across came also from Meister Eckert. I remember reading a book and coming upon these words. What is truth? The truth is something so noble that if God could turn aside from it, I could keep the truth and let God go. The truth is something so noble that if God could turn aside from it, I could keep the truth and let God go. It's a powerful yet tricky statement because God doesn't represent God in the sentence, but truth does. And for so many of us, I think one of the most important spiritual practices we can do is to actually open up to realize that perhaps the God of our understanding may need to transform or grow or change through us. There are times in our own personal growth of our own genuineness where the God that once was for us, as wonderful as that God may be, may no longer serve us for the next step we need to take in our lives. doesn't mean it's not the same divinity it always was, but it needs to evolve for us. I think of a devout religious family whose child goes a different way than the religious faith to seek a different religion or no religion at all to love someone outside of the religion or perhaps of the same sex, whatever it may be. And the the parents, I, I sympathize with them, but they have to struggle. 
they have to recognize the God that might not let them love their child or to find and step into a greater realization of the divine that allows them to embrace their child with that spiritual love. And it's true for ourselves too. I've often found that for myself, that when I'm in a space of feeling broken, what does it mean to step into a God that does not affirm that brokenness with judgment, but that accepts and loves me as I am? When I'm facing a lack of worth, feeling unworthy of prosperity or of love, what does it mean to step into a divinity that would not have me go without, but that would have me experience the full richness and experience of my life? What has it been for you? Have there been times where you've been asked to let the God of your understanding go to step into that God of greater light, greater truth for you? Now, in our teaching, we believe in the golden thread, so we love to explore the names of God in all different faiths. And again, they don't all mean the same thing, but they all point in the same direction. So in Hinduism, we have the word Brahman, which speaks to the divine as ultimate reality. Or we have the word Atman, which speaks to the divinity or spirit in each and every one of us. In Buddhism, they tend to not even use the word God, but we might hear the term Buddha nature, that each and every sentient being, every aspect of nature has a tad of awakened awareness in it, awareness of its oneness with a greater life source. Can we be aware of it? Can we nurture it? Can we cultivate it? Another term in Buddhism is unconditioned reality. It's the idea that before all of this stuff called life existed, there was this unconditioned reality that was life and pureness and wholeness itself. And the Buddhists believe that not only was this something that existed before time began, but it still exists now. That through the practice of meditation, through breaking our old logical ways of thinking, we can have an experience of this divinity, thus the importance of going every day into prayer, into meditation. Or as a Zen teacher once said to his students, studying the truth speculatively is useful as a way of collecting preaching material. But remember, unless you meditate constantly, your light of truth may go out. Don't let your light of truth go out. One of my favorite names of the spirit comes from ancient China. It's the word Tao, the Tao, which can be translated in English to mean the way or the path. And this understanding of Tao, in particular for me in my own personal life, helped me find a more balanced experience of the sacred and of God. Before studying the Tao, for me, my understanding of of the sacred was as a noun, as an individual out there somewhere, where the Tao helped me embrace uh, the sacred as a verb, as something acting creatively in all of life, ever-present in all of life. In my former understanding, I only saw the purpose of reaching divinity where I had to rise up to the heavens to seek to be embraced by my creator. The Tao helped me to realize there's something to be said as well for calling God down to earth to see divinity in nature. 
the nature of a river's flow, of the wind through the trees, but also the nature within all beings. In my former understanding, I saw the divine particularly as a being of action. God is a mighty power that can do great things through the power of faith. The Tao helped me balance that to also see that God is the great being of non-action. That the divine is so powerful that by not doing, it accomplishes all things. And that for me, there's something about being willful and forceful in my life, but there's also something about spiritual trust, of going with the flow, right? And trusting that by yielding, a greater spirit can come forward, that life isn't about making stuff happen. It's about not getting in the way of the flow, of the Tao, of the good of our lives. And so I particularly love the the Tao Te Ching, uh, which they first discovered in its whole form. We don't know how far it goes back, but about 400 years um, before Christ. So I'd like to read a couple passages from it to you today. The Tao is like a well, used but never used up. It is like the eternal void, filled with infinite possibilities. And another one of my favorites The Tao is always at ease. It's cool. It's suave. It's chill. (laughs) It overcomes without competing. Answers without speaking a word. Arrives without being summoned. Accomplishes without a plan. Its net covers the whole universe, and though its message are wide, it doesn't let a thing slip through. It's It's amazing to embrace the spirit not as something we just go to in prayer or philosophize about, but something that is an everyday part of our lives. God perhaps is the best friend that you've refused to spend any time with. (laughs) To know that divinity is always there um, as this divine nature available to each and every one of us. And yet the Tao, it's not easy to comprehend everything that I just read, right? It's a little complicated. And so I, I have a a game I like to play called a spiritual practice. I call it the the Tao of Spirit. And the Tao of Spirit for me is when I take a name for God and replace it with a common word in the the reading. And so in this sense, the Tao of Spirit, I'm going to reread those phrases, but instead of saying Tao, I'm going to say Spirit. And we can see how it sinks in, okay? Spirit is like a well, used but never used up. Spirit is like the eternal void filled with infinite possibilities. Do you believe you live in a field of infinite possibilities? Can you get out of their way? Spirit is always at ease. It overcomes without competing, answers without speaking a word, arrives without being summoned, accomplishes without a plan. The net of spirit covers the whole universe, and though its messages are wide, spirit doesn't let a thing slip through. I don't know about for you, but when I do that, it sinks in a little bit better. And isn't that an amazing thing to, to realize that the problems of our life won't be solved through inaction, of course, but if we can confront them with clarity with compassion, with integrity, with an open heart, we may actually not have to do anything at all, but let become those qualities into being. Can you entertain me while I read a couple more of these? All right. Every being in the universe is an expression of spirit. 
Spirit springs into existence, unconscious, perfect, free, takes on a physical body, lets circumstances complete it. That is why every being spontaneously honors the spirit. Spirit gives birth to all beings, nourishes them, maintains them, cares for them, comforts them, protects them, takes them back to itself, creating without possessing, acting without expecting, guiding without interfering. That is why the love of spirit is in the very nature of things. Holding all of us without touching any of us. (laughs) Uplifting us without ever holding us back giving all of its love to us, but allowing us to be free, not hoarding a single bit of it. I'm now going to try a couple phrases, but instead of using the word spirit, trying the word God. He who cares for nothing but God can care for all things. God never does anything, but through God, all things are done. Whoever is planted in God will not be rooted up, Whoever embraces God will not slip away. Her name will be held in honor from generation to generation. Let God be present in your life and you will become genuine. Let God be present in your family and it will flourish. Let God be present in your country and your country will be an example to all countries in the world. Let God be present in the universe and the universe will sing. How do I know this is true? By looking inside myself. And one more, he who is in harmony with God is like a newborn child. Now, can we think of anyone else who said something like that? Right, Jesus says something like that when he says that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, one must be like a a little child. And again, many of these Tao Te Ching's were were written um, 400 years before Christ, but it's interesting to, to note that scholars believe, you know, they don't believe that Jesus called his teaching Christianity. They believe he, he called it the way, which is very similar to the Tao, right? He taught the way. And Jesus used the term God, but Jesus used other names for God that were meaningful to him. He liked to use the word father, which wasn't meant to recognize patriarchy, but was to represent viewing God as a loving parent who cares and supports and wants the best for you. His most common phrase to use was the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, which to me, when we play the Tao of Spirit with it, is a perfect phrase to utilize the word Tao. The Tao is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. What an amazing practice to recognize that the Tao is like a seed, that this spirit of trust is like a seed, that the spirit of awareness of the divine in nature is like a seed, and we can plant it anywhere in our lives in ourself, in our relationships, in our struggles, in our work. And as we plant the seed and nurture it with our thought, not with our control, but with our willingness, it grows up in incredible ways. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the Tao. For a long time, people 
have always interpreted the kingdom of heaven to mean some glorious place in the sky. But for me, I, I like thinking of it as, as the Tao, as this idea of the way of spirit in life, which doesn't say it's going to be hard if you're rich to get into heaven. It's the recognition that when we're hoarding in our lives, when we're not living in the flow, we cannot enter into the Tao. When the truth is, is when we give into the flow, the flow of our true nature resumes itself. The Tao is already there. I also like replacing the word, the word in the Bible with the word Tao. Those opening famous words from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Tao, and the Tao was with God, and the Tao was God. The same was in the beginning with the Tao. All things were made by it, and without it was not anything made that was made. And so I know I'm talking about names for the Spirit here. But what I'm really talking about, what I'm really wanting to get at, is bringing a creative consciousness, bringing an open mind and heart to your relationship with the sacred. Not just in your spirituality, but in your family, in your citizenship, in everything that you do. Names within themselves mean nothing, but it's what they symbolize that can mean everything. It's easy to look at our families and say, oh, great titles, mom, dad, son, daughter, husband, wife. But when we bring consciousness, you know, we get that sense of the mother who uplifts and supports and picks us up when we fall down, of the father who's proud of us or supportive of us, whether our father was that or not, or we get that sense from something else, that, that meaning to be a, a husband or a, or a wife to support one another and being our highest and best self. Let's bring back the meaning to these sacred words. In our country, let us remember what it means to us to be an American, to be a citizen, to be a liberal, a conservative, or to mix them together in a way that is clear and that works for you. For when we know what they mean, we become better citizens. We bring greater clarity to our society and to our life and to ourselves. We all have names, and some of us have shared the same name with millions and millions of people before us, but it's more than that. Your name symbolizes the divine qualities you were brought into being with. It's who you are and why you're here. And when you say your own name, you should say it with a sense of honor and distinction, perhaps even a sense of awe that each and every one of us has the ability to be an expression of something one, something purely real and whole, yet express it through infinite uniqueness and creativity. Allow the names of spirit to uplift every area of your life. In Islam, which for me is a name for God and that it means surrendering to God, or if we were to translate into Taoism, we would translate it as yielding to the Tao. Uh, there's something called the, the practice of the 99 names of Allah. And people from Islam will sing these 99 names. God, the creator. God, the great redeemer. God, the compassionate. God, the forgiving. And you, you can keep chanting those and you can, you can feel those. And it reminds me of our founder, Ernest Holmes, when he said, when we go into prayer, go right where the need is. 
go right to that area where there is a need for spirit to express in your life and name that power. He says we should strive toward a perfect vision, a perfect conception. We should expand our thought until it realizes all good, then cut right through all that appears to be and use this almighty power for definite purposes. I invite you today to think of an area in your life where there may be some struggle, where there may be some confusion or not knowing, where there may be a health challenge or a relationship challenge. Go right where the need is and ask yourself, what is the name of God that is being called to present here? Is there an understanding that I haven't allowed God to break through to demonstrate in my life? Am I willing to be open to having a God that can perform miracles in my life, to a God that can be healing, to a God that can be forgiveness, to a God that can be harmony, lovingness, wholeness, willingness, depth, inspiring, genuineness, silence. We are powerful beings and where we open up to allow the infinite to express itself, to be embodied in us or as us or in an experience. We aren't performing divine magic. We are just inviting the truth to become what it can be for you and for I. This ability to name and call forth the divine, it's a sacred responsibility. It's a sacred power. It's a sacred gift made to each of us that we can choose to use, to inspire, to uplift, and create an even more meaningful knowing, embodying, and relationship with God in our lives. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.